0: Hey, welcome, and thank you again for joining us for our pastoral-led Bible study today. Uh, getting toward the end of the book of Mark, we're actually going to break our chapter up a little bit today. Uh, we're in chapter 14, and it just so happens to be that it's 72 verses long, and. I think it would take us uh, over an hour. Yeah, there's no way I could keep your attention for 72 verses. My attention or their attention? (laughs) Uh, So instead of just trying to race through it, uh, let's take our time. And so today we're just going to look at the first 26 verses. It'll basically break down into two segments of Jesus being anointed and then also getting to the point of looking at the Lord's Supper, of looking at Jesus basically being betrayed. So uh, let's start here, uh, chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Now the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him, but not during the feast, they said, or people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simeon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, whatever the gospel is preached, excuse me, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity
1: to hand him over. All right, so we're getting to the the passion of the Christ, the holy week, the uh, apex of his ministry here on earth. I, I don't know, I thought it was kind of interesting if you think about uh, Mark's, well, all the gospels, but, um, you know, we've gotten 12, basically 13 chapters uh, that cover... Over three years. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and now we're gonna get 14, 15 so three whole chapters that cover one week. Yeah. It's a lot more detail. That's even just this yeah. chapter on its own, right? That we said that it's seventy-two exactly. verses yeah.
0: long. So much content that's there.
1: So it's clear that uh, Peter, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John—they're all saying, um, okay, this is life and ministry. They testify that who he's the Son of God. Obviously, there's important teachings, the greatest mm-hmm. commandment, the mm-hmm. attitudes, and uh, the miracles we see, again, the signs, uh, but they all slow down the pace uh, when it gets to Holy Week to say, okay, this is what happened this day, and that evening, and then the next morning, and the next, it just like really zooms in to this period of Jesus' life, this one week, which again, obviously emphasizes the, uh, the pinnacle, the whole purpose of his coming to earth. Interesting
0: and interestingly enough, they start with this uh, time of Passover. It mentions, and uh, we know that that's referring back to, you know, uh, the the, test, the Old Testament story of uh, you know the angel of death passing over all the different houses, and so they're still celebrating this time today. Uh, I think it's interesting that it mentions that, just seeing what's happening with Christ, right? The foreshadowing that's happening of him being that. Uh, that Paschal lamb that is there for the people, too, uh, to be able to have, you know, basically eternal death pass over us at the exact same time. And then this interesting event happens here uh, in the home of Simon. Sorry, I said Simeon. Simon the leper. Uh, This woman, woman comes with this alabaster jar. This is a very expensive perfume. And no lie, like, when it describes how expensive this is, people said, hey, that one jar of perfume, a year's wages. I mean, that's a lot. I wear some cologne once in a great while, but I don't think I have any that's that's that nice. But there's an interesting point that's made here, I think, back and forth, because some of those who are there say, you know, why are we wasting this? It could have been done. And they don't have a bad reason, right? They don't say, oh, we could have... Even built a building or had this or that, it actually says we could have given the money to the poor, mm-hmm. uh, but it seems like their attitude is uh, is, is kind of un- the underlying issue that's here because it even says that they say indignantly to one another that they're they're upset, and it even says that they rebuke this woman right. They're not even just. Having dialogue mm-hmm. with her. So it doesn't seem to be just the action. It seems they almost say, I don't know, to my mind, it looks like there's almost a little bit of jealousy that seems to be going on there too with these individuals.
1: Right. I, I think the uh, contrasts here are pretty big because um, if you think about the disciples' frame of mind at this point, uh, they're still in denial about this. Because three times now Jesus has said, we're going to go to Jerusalem and mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. You know, persecuted. I'm going to be killed. And in three days, I'm going to rise. And they're going, no, 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 no. That's not how we want this to go down. Right? We want it to be Palm Sunday. We want you to get right in as the king and take over. And, and yet, here is this woman who has obviously heard Jesus speak the word of God, the gospel. And she got it. Like... Yeah. On some... Well, all Everybody else is missing it. Like, she got, like...
0: Yeah. He's going to die. When Jesus starts saying why she does this, it isn't like, oh, she's foreshadowing this. But, no, he actually said, you know, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you can always have with you, but uh, you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. He doesn't say, like... Uh, she, She's kind of making a guess at this, or, you know, this was right, this is something leading up. But even Jesus in his own words, as you mentioned, seems to say, like, yeah, she, she knows. Like, she's doing these things because she knows what's approaching. She's been listening to my words and understands this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, a interesting element that Sarah. I mean, I guess— it uh, it is the disciples in this moment, too, right? Those who are gathered around the reclining with Jesus that are actually telling. These aren't just random Pharisees yeah, or Sadducees. Yeah. right. These are people that are there with Jesus. Uh, and Judas seems to get singled out toward the end of the story. But these are other people that are there that are still thinking in this in this way. Which I will say, again, not to let them off the hook, but uh, during the time of Passover, super traditional element to be able to do what you could to be able to lift up the poor during that time Mm -hmm. whether that was providing different sacrifices for them or providing uh even just food for them to be able to have that was very customary at that time so they're trying to follow
1: along that same trail right and yet jesus is doing a new thing
0: Hmm.
1: he's about to do a really new thing yeah next section but hold on one more contrast here i think between the woman who is confessing her faith in his sacrifice mm-hmm. for her versus immediately after that Judas one of his own disciples what's he doing betraying yeah Jesus and really a give and take there too
0: right one who's giving this great deal of funds yeah away and one who is betraying to receive money than at the expense of that Christ that much I
1: don't think no That's no, no no I no mean, no it's not chump change but it no. It's not a
0: year's No, not, even, not even close. <clears throat> so, Yeah, that's an interesting comparison.
1: I like that, Pastor Mark. All right. The Lord's Supper. Here we go. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparation for you to eat the Passover? So he sent to his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house uh, he enters The teacher asks, Where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12 while they were reclining at the table eating. He said, "I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me." They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, "Surely not I." "It is the one of it is one of the 12," he replied, "one who dips bread into the bowl with me." The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Uh, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Interesting maybe enough just to clear up this first part here.
0: So Jesus said, you know, they ask, you know, where do you want us to go make preparations? And he just says, you know, uh, send two of his disciples, go into the city and you'll find this man carrying this jar of water. Uh, maybe interesting in two different ways. First of all, another one of Jesus foretelling something, yeah. right? And obviously there's a huge belief there that they go and they they do this. Uh, and then the owner of this house, you know, says, hey, I have this upper room where you can go and be able to celebrate this. So I guess in that tradition during this time too, it was very customary for people who were from out of town that maybe were coming to celebrate this with their family to maybe not have a place to be able to do this. And so people, out of the kindness of their heart, most of them of a like-minded faith would say, yeah, I want. I don't want you out in the street, I want you to be able to celebrate this. And so they would offer them a place to
1: be able to to host this. Like the bonus room or the room yeah. above the garage. Yeah, yeah. So their family's in the kitchen having their Passover. Yep. That the guest family can use the... But at
0: least they had a place to be able to go, you know, a place to be able to celebrate this great time. Because, you know, the people at this time, that I mean, this was a big deal. This wasn't just like a, a random celebration. It was a truly a big thing. You would want anybody to be able to take part in that. Uh, man, I just think about some of the people in, throughout this scripture passage, but this individual in particular that he, I mean, in reality, I'm assuming he has no idea what is happening in his house, what he is actually hosting right there in his place. I mean, the Last Supper of Christ, this this amazing Passover celebration that he gets to be a part of in a a very unique way.
1: Yeah, and I don't, and the sub sub, uh, point, I didn't know, Uh, I think, I think I'm going from memory here, but I think it was more customary uh, for women to go and get water from the well and oh, carry the water on it. Yeah, I would like think Jesus so. Talked to the woman at the well. Yeah, and so I think it was kind of a it stood out. It was like, oh, there's a man carrying a jar of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was, you know, I don't know, look for a guy in a red hat, kind of thing. Yeah. It was something, yeah. something that stood out.
0: Interesting. Uh, I like that. Yeah. I yeah that that would definitely make mm-hmm. complete sense. But
1: you know, like the it's not too too it's very similar, it is very similar to the donkey. Yeah, Palm Sunday, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I think people, I don't know, when people are live in the room, they can ask us questions. (laughs) A lot of times these verses, uh, a lot of questions, or a common question people have is, how did that guy know with the donkey? Or how did this guy know in the upper room? Or did Jesus talk to him beforehand? Did somebody else give him a heads up? (laughs) But you know, I think... uh, I think we're missing the point i think the point is that jesus is always working behind the scenes in our own lives uh how many times have things just fallen into your lap and mm-hmm. you're like wow this is amazing what a blessing um i think that's the point i think it's a great comfort for believers who are following jesus out there uh, on mission uh sharing the gospel mm-hmm. that god's Right there, not only in you, working through you, he's also in the world. And yeah. He's working things out in your path. That's a super great point. It's uh, it's really cool, and you don't have to know how or why, whatever. You got accepted to this college or got a offer for whatever it is, right? We
0: love to know that and see that, right? <laughs> the behind the scenes, why this happened or why this took place. Suppose we just can't take something at face value for Mm -hmm. what it is. You know, we have to find this reasoning, you know, and we we debate with that. Yeah, that's a great point, Pastor Mark, great point. That's good. You know, with this whole element here, I mean, it's a time of celebration, right? The celebration of Passover, uh, I assume when most of us get together to have a meal, whether it's for a birthday, uh, to be able to just have a, a Friday night family meal together. It's always, it seems to be with food, there's a, a lot of celebration that's occurring, and that seems to be happening, but then it takes this turn. Mm-hmm. And the turn actually happens is Jesus brings, you up, brings it up, right? They're sitting down there, and they're all reclining at the table eating, and then Jesus says, he drops that bomb, if you will, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, the one of you who is, who is eating with yep. me. And their mood changes, and Mark even right. mentions that, right? He says that they're saddened; uh, it hurts them because they know. I guess uh, I would, again, the, Jesus always tells them the he's truth. He's always right. right? right. Yeah. yeah, he's always right. <laughs> and he's not. He's not leading them on. You know, he actually says that somebody is going to betray them, which is a strong word, right? Not. Not one of you is going to question me, or one of you at some point is going to, you know, deny me in a little way. But you one of you is actually going to betray me Mm-mm. during this time.
1: And I, and I think, I think it's important to note that uh, this was Judas's out. Like he didn't have to go through from at this point. Yeah. Jesus literally called him out in front of everybody. Yeah. And said it'd be better, you know, if you weren't even born if you're if you're planning to betray the son of man. Yeah, but
0: you know, at the same time, and I know we can like put like <laughs> levels on sins and they all say it, right? All the disciples, surely not I, surely surely not I, Lord. But then, you know, fast forward and look at the story of Peter and Jesus says, "Hey, before the rooster crows, yeah. like today, you're going to deny me 3 times." and so when peter denies the lord once and then twice he could have just been like oh i'm just going to go off and hide until the rooster crows so i can't deny him in some way and he still does it and but isn't it not only true of the disciples but true of us right that we say surely not i lord that uh you know we know the story that is right here The, the disciples are In this journey with Jesus leading up to this event, we're in this journey with Jesus looking back on this event. And so especially for us as Christians to be able to say, yeah I know that Christ is my Savior, I know He calls me not to sin, no surely not I, I won't turn my back on the Lord, but then the day comes and the day goes and before the rooster crows or for us our sun comes up or our sun sets, I mean, how many times have we sinned mm-hmm. during the day, too, even though the Lord has called us not to? We maybe say, well, I would never betray Jesus in, in the flesh and turn him around, but, you know, is that is that really the truth? Doesn't God always give us an out, right? In Scripture, we hear the words, you know, I will not let you be tempted yeah, what beyond you what you can, you can bear. Yeah. yeah, like, and I'm there for you. You know, you can, you can do this. And I don't know, man, that part of our sinful flesh, it becomes really tough. And so I don't know what Judas is going through during this time. I don't want to be a sympathizer with him, but at the same time, I will admit that sin is a it is a powerful factor mm-hmm. on our lives. And this shows the importance of being connected to Christ, whether it be for the disciples mentioned on these pages or the disciples within our realm of being able to say this is why I need it so when the moment does come I need to be connected with Christ not separated and say okay now I'm gonna run to right. him now I'm gonna hopefully get there because we do have this tendency to be able to be withdrawn at times in our life, and we have to continue to work on that faith journey to be able to, to pull back just knowing that he is always there for us, and we're the ones that continue this slipping in our life.
1: Yeah, that's good. I was thinking. I was thinking uh, more of the point that uh, some people think maybe Judas was predestined to mm. go to hell, predestined and to God was like, betray yeah, mm-hmm, Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I think clearly Jesus was giving him this option here. Yeah, um, because I mean the the. Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Romans, mm-hmm. they were after Jesus. They were going oh, yeah. to get him. Yeah, uh, They were going to get him and crucify him.
0: I love that part at the very beginning of this chapter. It says that look, they're looking for some sly way yeah. to be able to, to get him. But, and they Again, there's a reason there. They don't want the people to riot. They can't lose these people on their, their side. Right. Uh, but yeah, it gets down to this point. So okay. then Jesus says it's one of the twelve. Uh, and he gives them a very specific direction, right? The one who dips the bread into the bowl with me. And so obviously Judas, he knows this, right? Like, oh, man, that was my, like, our, our hands touched. Like, we, we, were, we were right there. Uh, the other disciples, I don't know. Uh, yeah. they, they're just worried, it seems. Oh, man, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's me. not me. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it's not me. But Jesus somehow in that intimate moment
1: Must have made this connection with uh, with Judas. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Jesus has bread in front of him, and he says, "This is my body." Pretty plain, verse twenty two there. Mm -hmm. And then he has the cup, and he says, "This is my blood of the covenant, poured out for many." So, what's your uh, spiel when you talk to the eighth grade confirmation class? about the real presence in, in communion.
0: Usually I try to show them uh, something, you know, whether it be this Bible or this set of keys, and I said, Hey, uh, Pastor Mark, if I said, you know, this is a key, uh-huh. you know, that's exactly what I am what I'm sharing with you, right? That's a, okay. I'm not saying, that's... hey, this represents a, a key, you know, if I want to be more specific, this is my car key, you know, this is right. its not a house key, it mm-hmm. doesn't represent, it's not a toy key, this really serves a purpose and it really does something. And so I think when, you know, Jesus' words here in our text, he you know, says, this is, uh, Jesus at any point could have said, you know, this is just a, a representation of my body or this is like my body. And we do that with things within our culture today too. But I think, uh, for me, Christ's words are are very specific, at least in identifying what the matter is for at least for beginners
1: here. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I won't go into my whole confirmation spiel. We don't have an hour, but <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, but the point I think is simply that we and the uh, Lutheran tribe uh, and, and many others, but yeah. they, we read the Bible is we just take it at face value, and so whatever God's word says, that's what it says. Yeah. And And whether we can understand it or not, is not really the point. Uh, we know God's word is truth, so whether we can understand uh, how the man in the upper room knew the Rabbi was coming and they had it all prepared mm-hmm. waiting for him, mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's what happened. Yep. And we know bread is there. Because he holds the bread up and he says, this is my body. So you know, the body of Christ is really present there too. Mm-hmm. Same with the cup and wine. So I think a lot of churches, uh, other churches fall off the horse on t- t- either extreme where either they say it's only representing, so it's only bread and it's yeah. only grape juice. They focus on, the, yeah, yeah. They focus on and those, those
0: words. It's I think a lot of times they focus on the words "do this in remembrance of me," right? And then which
1: actually, is it, it, not in March. So no, no,
0: no. Yeah, yeah it's not.
1: But, the, but
0: the, the the concept of "do this in remembrance of me." I think it's only mentioned in Luke's "do this in remembrance of me." When it when it's mentioned. Again, you're even transforming that word, like remembrance of something is very different than a, a representation yeah. of, of something, right? right. Uh, and so even taking those words and altering it, I think is something very, very different. Um, and then on the other side of the coin that you were getting to, mm-hmm. you know, some people say that the bread oh, and wine... Disappear, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's literally... Bodies and blood.
0: Like it's this miniature sacrifice even that happens over and over again every time the Lord's Supper is, is there. Right. And so what I really
1: like about the Lutheran worldview mm-hmm. is that we're able to hold two truths kind of in tension with each other. And, mm. uh, you know, we just talked about the Trinity, you know, in our sermons recently. Yeah. Uh, and how do you hold that one God and three persons I was like, well, those are those don't really fit together, but it's like, well, that's what Jesus tells us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so he says, this is bread and my body and wine. They're all present. The bread is really there. The body of Christ is really there. The wine is really there. The blood of Christ is really there. It's all there. So you don't have to pick one or the other because mm-hmm. uh, that's what is laid out very simply, again, in plain language. Uh, again, there's no, this symbolizes words it, it, that he uses. It's just, yeah, plain Plain talk. To clear it up, though, too, uh, even though this
0: is such an important issue, uh, it's not an issue that uh, determines our salvation, right? You know, our, our brothers and sisters down the street that do practice a representation form of communion and say, you know, this is just more of a symbolism uh, many of them walk through this sacrament, if you will, every single week. You know, they, But it doesn't mean that if they have a different belief system of this, again, all-important sacrament, that uh, this is going to be their failing issue that keeps them out of heaven in some way. Uh, with that said, Pastor Mark's description of really taking the word for what it is, I think isn't that the most important and so don't argue with us of you know oh this is the view that you guys think why why is it no this view is just taken from scripture that's all that's all that it is but again to clarify that is important as this is and same thing with baptism as important as that sacrament is uh, these aren't elements that, that break that nature of salvation however things I think we should really dive into learn about and discuss in a healthy manner
1: right Yes, but, but... Yes, you can always say this is a Lutheran. No, it always... <laughs> but it, it does lead down a dangerous road if I think I am contributing to my salvation. Oh, yeah. If I'm re-sacrificing Jesus mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, if I'm doing a good work. So at these churches that do to symbolism, they don't call it a sacrament. They call it ordinance. Correct. correct, Ordinance. Well, what's an ordinance. Well, they'll even just say straight up symbolism, yeah. So it's it's this thing that we're doing. So if we're not putting our trust in Jesus alone for our salvation, it's just dangerous territory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a serious issue. Completely agree. But it's not the unforgivable sin. I agree with you on that. No, no. But I think it's a dangerous area. And my last argument for our worldview here on the real presence Mm -hmm. is pretty simple. It's just grammar. So... You know, a simile is whatever. You are like a rock. Yeah. Use the word like. Uh, A metaphor is Jeremy, you are a rock. Yeah. Okay. And that's the direction that it goes. It's you are a rock. What would it mean if I picked up a rock and I said, Jeremy, this is you? Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. That's actually not a metaphor, it's flowing the wrong direction. Correct. So Jesus picks up the bread and says this is my body. That's not a metaphor. No. When he says I am the bread of life. Okay, that's a metaphor. Yes. He's using the it's person going either way, yeah. And then represent an image. And so I hear a lot of uh those denominations try to use that. I am the good mm-hmm. shepherd, I'm mm-hmm. the bread of life. And they said this is my body. So it's the same thing. I'm like it's not the same thing.
0: It's a great point. Uh, I like the way that you break that down too because you actually didn't use um, just a worldly example and one from Scripture using both, you know, from Scripture. These are two like-minded and not similar, but the same things. Yeah. And that actually makes really, really good sense. I haven't used that with the confirmation students. I think I'll start putting that into the lesson. That's a, that's a good one right there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right.
1: Okay, so the real presence. Oh, let's just... We've been talking, we've been down in the weeds for a little too long. Uh, Let's do talk about the importance of this. He says, uh, verse 24, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for me. This is a new covenant. Um, we won't go deep into the Old Testament and covenants and uh, history of all that, but these are promises, uh, these are covenant like a marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, but unlike uh, a lot of the not all, some of the Old Testament. Covenants that were kind of two way. If you believe, blah blah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Um, this is a one way promise. Yeah. This is Jesus making a promise to us uh, that His body, His blood, His sacrifice uh, cleanses us from all of our sins mm-hmm. and iniquities. And, and that's it. We don't have to do anything yeah. except trust that his words are true which should be freeing hopefully for us
0: but again i think a lot of times we still try to figure out that explanation behind things right or dive into it sometimes it's hard for us just to let go of the wheel if you will and yeah. say yeah you, you got you got me on this and i you know i appreciate that
1: <laughs> yes absolutely i do like
0: the very final conclusion here in all this too yeah. again this roller coaster of emotions right uh, having this meal, celebrating the Passover. The disciples are saddened when Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. Uh, he gives them the Lord's Supper. They eat of it. And once they do, verse 26, uh, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So they finished being able to sing this hymn together. What song do they sing, Pastor Mark? you know? There
1: are actually
0: uh, some of the Psalms that
1: are sung at Passover, I don't know. What
0: so maybe it was one of those that they selected yeah, then?
1: Yeah, one of the Psalms.
0: Super interesting, but to be able to, again, back to the concept of singing, right? That's traditionally doing something that is with lifted spirits a lot of times. Of course with the Psalms there are ones that go back and forth of having you know different emotions or lamenting in different ways. But uh, yeah, it seems like they're kind of in this different place, maybe, hopefully, having even a, maybe a little bit different understanding of What's happening moving forward mm-hmm. right now? But I like that they close with this with this hymn. Maybe that's something we can remember even in church after we have taken the sacrament. Either if we're sitting at our uh, seat waiting for others to be able to participate, and we're singing during that time, or upon conclusion of that, another way that kind of links us together with this passage. You
1: no, know I think we need to do. Um, and maybe this is a pastors' meeting. Is this being filmed yeah, right, live yeah. on camera? Uh, that made me think of. Uh, what we haven't done here in a really long time, and I think we have time now in the service, okay. that post-communion, mm-hmm. thank the Lord and sing His yeah. praise, tell everyone what He has done. Yeah. We, we haven't sung that in a long time. Not in a little
0: bit. We, we can uh, place that in pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk to Ryan about I'll that. See him after communion. Christy,
1: yeah. All right. All right. Pick you are up for closing Let's prayer today. Prayer. Thanks for joining us today. Mm-hmm. And we've got just a few more episodes, and we'll be done with the Gospel of Mark. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, uh, to be our Savior. Uh, the incredible sacrifice, uh, the unimaginable pain, shame uh, that he endured uh, to pay the price that is uh, so heavy, uh, is so huge. Um, we pray that uh, you would continue to build our faith and grow our faith in Jesus and the great, great work that he has done for us and that your Holy Spirit will inspire us and uh, give us the words to speak, uh, to share the love of Jesus with everyone in our lives. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week.